Welcome to Comedians with Ghost Stories. I'm your host, writer, and comedian, Emily Winter, and I'm back from Europe, and it is August, and that is very exciting because it means spooky season is right around the corner, so I'm putting a call out. If you are a creative type or you know a creative type with a ghost story, your own real paranormal experience, reach out to me. You can hit me on Instagram. I still have a few messages to reply to there. Uh, we have the Comedians with Ghost Stories Instagram, and I'm at Emily MC Winter. You could also email me at emcwinter at gmail.com uh, if you have a ghost story that you would like to talk to me about on this podcast, because I am so excited to get into the fall and the spooky stuff, and I want to hear your story. Uh, okay, great. I hope you enjoy this wonderful episode. Today on the podcast, I'm very excited to have Abigail Elias. Welcome to the pod. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem. I'm so excited. And I just met you in Pittsburgh where you did One Liner Madness. Um, so thank you for doing that. And yeah, it so fun. we were just talking before the pod started that it is insane to me. There are two Abigail Eliases doing comedy in Pittsburgh. And you go by Abigail and she goes by Abby. <laughs> And it is, that is just, it's just because it's not a common name. It's just wild. No, it's not. And it's weird because um, like we, my family changed our name when we came over, like when we were fresh off the boat, because apparently, so Elias is a more Middle Eastern name. Like I think Abby is Lebanese, okay. um, but my family is like Ashkenazi Jewish. So mm-hmm. apparently our last name was Elevich before we, you know, hopped on over, but it was uh, apparently easier to sound. Uh, Middle Eastern than it was to sound Russian. I guess it was scarier at the time that we had come over to sound Jewish or Russian. Yeah. Or maybe they just didn't understand us and they were sound funny. Who knows? And they were just like, this is what you get. My grandpa said. Yeah, wow. like here. Enjoy. <laughs> fascinating. Fascinating. Are, are you from Pittsburgh? Yeah. So my family isn't, but I was born and raised here. Um, and are yeah. your ghost stories, are they uh, Pennsylvania ghost stories? Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. All right. So you've got more than one. Take it away. Yeah. Thankfully, they're like short-ish. So I work in a hospital. Like I work in the ICU. Uh, I'm a critical care tech, which is just like someone who like wipes butt for a living. But before I did that, <laughs> I worked at something <laughs> called patient transport. So that's like if you were ever in the hospital and you like um, needed to go somewhere, the person who took you was a transporter. Okay. Like we would just push people and equipment around all day. And in this hospital, uh, it's a local one. It has like 900 beds, two hospitals put together. Um, they have two what's called bed storages. So that's where you put beds for storage. So it has stretchers, wheelchairs, all this stuff. But um, like I said, it was two different hospitals put together. The bed storage in the one hospital was actually a morgue before they combined the two hospitals. Okay. And, and you could always feel that it felt like really, really creepy. The further you walked back, the more you could feel like the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. And it just got very, very strange. Like the cooler was still back there, like in the oh my way gosh. back. And they just kept paint buckets in there for maintenance. Oh my gosh. Okay. Isn't that insane? Yeah. I always thought that it was like a morgue. And so I Googled it and I found some old lady's blog from like 2011. And she had worked there when Montefiore was still Montefiore. Um, And they put a gym above it, uh, like above the cooler, like in the area. So one night at like 3 a.m., me, stupid, white, dumb. I was like, I'm going to go back there. I'm going to go up there and see what that gym is. Uh I've always seen doctors, like just like big ortho bros, go back there and working out. They'd look at me like I was insane for cleaning a wheelchair. But um, (laughs) they were like, what are you doing down here? My job, bitch, do yours. And um, 
Sweet. So like, just to recap, there is like a secret hidden gym above this former morgue. Yeah. Shit you not. You can take an elevator or you can take the stairs. And that was not something that they told you about when you started working there. No, no, it wasn't. Um, The hospital I worked for was like not so great. I don't work for that company anymore, but um, I do love that job. Uh, I switched departments and I hated my new department. It's a whole thing. But um, I went up there and it was, it's like a building that was, it was shaped like an L. So you get off the elevator and you look down one hallway and it's just like equipment and you look down the other hallway and it's the gym. So I go to the gym and apparently I don't have badge access, which sucks, but it was just like a Peloton in there. It was really good. Okay. And I looked down the other hallway and it was really cold. So like when I was going up the elevator, the elevator stopped and it like shook. And I was like, oh, I'm so dumb. I'm going to die up here. And I went up there and I was like, oh, the gym's underwhelming. And I turn and I look and I see like there's a door at the end of that hallway and it's like a frosted glass. Mm -hmm. And I had seen like the outline of like a man. And so at first I was like, oh, what is that like housekeeper doing standing behind the glass? Mm -hmm. And then I realized it was the apparition of a man in front of the glass. And I had been like, it was, it felt really dark. Like you always felt like something was watching. I screamed. You screamed? Yeah. And I ran down the stairs. I didn't even take the elevator. I didn't wait for that. I ran down the stairs and I ran away. Um, And the morgue was a little haunted there too. So yeah. this was, this was like above the morgue where you saw this mm-hmm. guy. Uh, and yeah. what do you think, who, do you have any ideas about like, did you tell anyone and did you, do you have any ideas about who that was or what that was? Um, I don't know. I don't think it was anything dark, uh, thankfully, but I do know that like, you could always tell that like, it was uh, the more, even the morgue at this hospital always felt like a waiting area, like a liminal space. Mm-hmm. Like it never really felt like something was like trying to get you. Except like sometimes you could always tell when there was like a trauma that had, I worked at a level one trauma center, which mm-hmm. means it's a lot of gunshot wounds, a lot of like, you know, bad accidents where not everybody lived. Um, and you could always tell when one of those happened, not only because of the massive transfusion alert on the, <laughs> on the intercom, but um, the morgue would feel different. Like if Whoa. they didn't live. Mm-hmm. So the morgue that was actually just a storage space or was it when it was still a morgue? Um, the actual, just regular morgue. I'm sorry. I should have clarified. Okay. So the regular morgue, not the storage area Mm -hmm. would feel different if somebody had just passed from a level one trauma. Yeah. Like a traumatic incident. Yeah. What did it it feel like? It was felt like very heavy and angry. Like you always felt like you were being watched. Okay. Because we would, uh, transport not only included the transport of living people. It also unfortunately included the transportation of dead people, like from the, wherever they were and then to the morgue. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes like, and you couldn't do that job alone, quote unquote, you had to have a partner, like for legal reasons and just because it's fucking creepy down there. Yeah. Um, and I went down there one time and I typically don't have, like, I'm, I'm a big girl, you know, but I went down there and I was like, it never really felt scary to me. It was kind of cool. It was calming. Um, it smelled weird, but that was about it. But I went down there and it just felt like heavy and angry. And I was for the first time in my life in, down there petrified. I'd worked there for like two years. It was terrifying. And I just wanted to get the cart, the special cart that we use for like transporting body bags and like to get the fuck out. Um, wow. Did you yeah. find out what, who had recently died and been moved to the morgue? Probably not because of HIPAA. I'd, sometimes I would ask around. Oh, right. But, um, no. I didn't always, I wasn't that close with the ear nurses. Um, but one time there was a, uh, oh goodness. Like I was waiting for my friend. This was the same night that it felt really spooky. 
there was like a couple of doors, you know, like a metal coin that you like press, it goes press here to open. And it mm-hmm. has a very distinct noise when it opens. I had heard that and I thought it was my friend Wes coming to help like with the morgue job. And I saw like a shadow under the door and I thought, yeah, there's Wes. And I heard the clink of the door and the door opened. There's nobody there. And it wasn't like an automatic, like somebody could press it open from like inside or like outside. Like, it just like something hit it, something opened hit it. it. And I was like, ah. I was so, I was like, holy so I was, shit. I was just going to ask if your coworkers also had experiences and also believed. Yeah. A lot of them do. A lot of them didn't mess with the morgue because of how creepy it was. Um, I know that like, I mean, there was like haunted, a lot of nurses, a lot of hospitals are haunted, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of reasons why people pass away and it's not always their first choice of something to do. It's not <laughs> yeah. like, they're on. like when I, even when I worked in the, um, I worked in the oncology unit. So I worked in cancer um, at a different hospital. There was bed 10 was haunted. Wait, what do you mean? Like whoever was in that bed or what? Someone. So the the room itself was like bed, like the 10th bed in that mm-hmm. hospital unit mm-hmm. was haunted. And the call bell, doesn't matter who was in there, would always go off all the time. <gasps> and you would see like shadows of people. Um, and it was always really weird when like dementia patients would sundown because like you, you know, they're kooky when they're, not really sure where they're at, but right. uh, I saw this woman's call bug off in bed 10 and I was like, and I, I didn't, I just hung up the phone and I went and I was like, hi, can I help you? She like grabs me by my scrub top. Like, I shit you not. And she goes, there's somebody in my room. And I was like, hello? Like, I was like, what, what do you mean? She's like, he's standing by the edge of the bed. Tell him to go away. And I, first of all, the first, I, an exorcism was not in my, in my orientation packet. But, um, <laughs> The second thing is you can't, even if like it really was a ghost or if it really wasn't, I, you can't, if she has a history of like dementia, you can't like disregard someone's reality in that right. way because it will make them like go insane. You're like gaslighting somebody because their perception of reality is their reality. So I was like, um, I'll be right back. And I took like a flush, like a saline flush. And I said it was holy water <laughs> the, towards the end of the bed. Um, and it was really creepy. Like it genuinely was. Um, and I was like, oh, of course they put her in that room. Um, wait, so when you did the thing with the saline, did she, was she satiated? Yeah, she was thankfully. Um, I think she knew it wasn't holy water. I was like, this is all I got. It's salty, you know, like maybe I'll do something. Yeah, but it worked. And also just being believed can like alleviate some of that tension, which could be attracting the spirit, you know? Yeah. My neighbor's house is haunted too. At my dad's house. Yeah. So growing up, my dad lives in like a bougie, like rich white people neighborhood. And there was like this really weird woman who lived next door named Kathleen. And she would like cut her plants with a sickle. And like, she was like kind of a hermit and she didn't really come out. She was a very strange woman. Okay. It's really weird Um, to cut your plants with a sickle. It's really weird. Right. That's weird. Okay. Yes, I mean, I don't have plants, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like convinced her husband had like killed her plants by pouring poison on them. Her ex-husband. And the plants actually started to die in the same way that she said they would. So that was crazy. Um, But she passed away like a year or two ago in the house. And nobody knew for like two or three weeks. It was really sad. Um, Yeah. Like, Like, was it one of those smell things? Mm -hmm. Who found her? Yeah. So actually, she had friends, thankfully, who uh, after a couple of weeks of her coming out, like not coming out, they called in for a welfare check. Um, and unfortunately she was not well. Um, 
sorry, I, I really do have dark humor, but this, yeah, no, apparently her family didn't really claim her body. I don't know where she went after that, but nobody in her family wanted to claim her. Um, and so some other, sad. that is really sad. Like it was really depressing. Um, and this new family bought the house and renovated it. And Kathleen is still in that house. Like when they were renovating, I was trying to find the picture. My sister sent it to me Uh, in the live. You hear the radio or like you hear talking in the background. They were just taking, there wasn't even, so mind you, this was in the basement. They hadn't even gotten the electricity reset up. So like, there's no way that anything is making any noise in that house. And you start talking, you hear the radio. Um, and the dogs freak out all the time. Like we all have dogs. Um, my mm-hmm. dad has two goldens, um, and they have like a little yapper of some sort. They won't go mm-hmm. in the house. The dogs, they freak out. They can't handle it. Oh my gosh. And like lights flicker and like things go flying. So this is wild. And since, since you work in this, in the industry and like the medical industry and you take care of people. I feel like you are a little bit closer to and a little bit more comfortable with death. You have to be right. Cause like you're around yeah. it a lot. So what do you uh, make of all of this? Like, what do you think all of this is? So I think a lot of times, like I, especially as someone who works in the ICU, I think a lot of times, depending on how long somebody keeps their family member alive when they shouldn't be is like not very good. Like I feel like sometimes a lot of like the stuff that me and my colleagues do is prolonging the inevitable. Like a lot of people don't realize, like let's say someone's on two vasopressors, which is like when your blood pressure cannot sustain life, we put you mm-hmm. on a medication that will raise it so it can. Mm-hmm. And that's technically like life support. That's a way to explain it as like end of life care or like people who are just like, they won't ever have that same quality of life given back to them right after they've been sick. Um, I think I feel closer to death because I understand it more. Mm-hmm. I think that um, like I can kind of almost see where death is almost like merciful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I haven't seen any ghosties at, at my current, my current position. That doesn't mean and I work day shift though. So like they don't come out in the morning when the sun's up. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I think. Do you find, do you see a lot of people pass away peacefully? Uh, do they yes. fight? Okay. Thankfully, I um I do see. Obviously, I've had you know resuscitations that I work on. I've seen um people pass away. I actually even at an open mic I saw a man die. That was fucked up. We'll get into that. But um, holy cow! Yeah, I almost quit comedy. But um, I thankfully we'll put people on what's called CMO. Uh, so we talk to the family. We have a meeting. The social worker, the doctors, the nurses, like everybody kind of comes together, and we talk about the options and the uh, goals of care. And so we say, hey, they're kind of not really getting to where we need to be. Um, we're kind of just sustaining them. And they're not going to be like, it's like I said, you're like, you're keeping somebody alive, at, but they're not, you know, very healthy. It's not very right. good for them. Like you're delaying the inevitable. So we'll do something called that CMO, comfort measures only. Um, so like we keep the monitor on and stuff to kind of like, you know, we have to document all of that. But um, they, we stop all medications Mm-hmm. Um, so we stop things like vasopressors, antibiotics. We stop thing anything that could like make the patient uncomfortable. It's almost like hospice or like palliative care. So okay. it's like morphine and oxygen, essentially. Yeah, um, yeah. And that kind of just lets them go peacefully. We have a lot of patients who are like that. Most of our patients don't just like code and die. Like, thankfully, it's not really what it's like. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
but I have had a few that have, like there's some people that like uh, a lot of old people shouldn't be like once you're past like 70, um, we always try to talk to the family about what it means to be a full code, like doing CPR and somebody intubating them, like doing all that stuff. that's very invasive. And when you're older, you can't really bounce back from that. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. You and I, if we had CPR done on, done on sure, it would break our ribs. Maybe it would, you know, maybe pop along for a second, but you could mm-hmm. fix that. There's like some, like you're, we're young, we'll bounce back, but someone mm-hmm. older, it wouldn't actually yeah. Oh God, like, like all that much like that. Like they would have far like so many more detriments. Um, and that's something we always try to educate patients and families on that. You don't really want that. You don't want your 89 year old peepaw to be cracked like a glow stick just yeah. for them to live for maybe one more year. Yeah. At, yeah. The, at the most even. And in pain recovering mm-hmm. from that for that whole year. Yeah. yeah. Um, that makes sense. Wow. Wow. This is crazy. Um, do you want to talk about the mic situation? What happened oh, to the, yeah, yeah, that, I think it followed me home. All right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was weird. So I was at like one of like the worst, <laughs> dare I say worst. It's like a very interesting open mic in Pittsburgh. It was, it's at Parkway theater and film lounge and McKee's rocks, which is not the greatest neighborhood in the city. Okay. Um, and I go there every Friday anyway. Um, but I was doing my, my my calculus homework uh waiting to go up and two other comedians um asher and georgia they were like hey somebody just had a seizure on the bus and they're foaming at the mouth can you go look at them and i went what it's like are they responsive they're like no so i grabbed my like a city bus or something yeah okay like right outside the place um and i grabbed my narcan i grabbed my pulse socks you know like i was like all right let's go because it's mckee's rocks they're not having a seizure they're dead so um that sounds really dark, but you'll see what I mean in a sec. So I yeah. get into the bus and he is foaming at the mouth because when you pass away, like, like your mucus comes out of your mouth with the rest of your air. So it uh-huh. kind of bubbles out if you're like dead, dead. Okay. Um, and I didn't get a pulse. I couldn't find one radially, like on his carotid or with my pulse socks. Um, and I eventually I was like, I asked the people on the bus how he got onto the bus. Like, did he walk like he was high? Did he walk? So I didn't actually use my Narcan. Um, but he didn't have a pulse and he wasn't breathing. So I was like, I should have used the Narcan. What's a Narcan? Work. Narcan is like uh, the antidote to an opiate overdose. Okay. Okay. I carry that everywhere I go, especially after this. But um, yeah. I told the people on the bus, hey, can we move him onto the ground? Start CPR. He was like 400 pounds. And they're okay. like, no. <laughs> and I went, what do you mean? No, he's like, we're going to hurt him. And I was like, you can't hurt a dead man. He's already dead. Please just get him on the ground. Um, and they wouldn't like let me. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of that, there's like a good Samaritan law in Pennsylvania, but a lot of people don't want to get sued. Um, or like, they don't know. It's like, I'll start it. I will crack his ribs. Like we'll get it Mm -hmm. going, but I can't Mm -hmm. move this man on my own. And I was getting like swatted away. And I like was still in my scrubs. I had just been like two hours before that I was at work doing compressions. So it's like, you're clearly the best person to be taking care of this. Yeah. 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 And they were like, no, we don't care. And I was like, okay. Um, and I like fought back and forth, I think for five minutes. And I was like, you know what? At this point, even if he survives, he like will not, it'll be lights are on, but nobody's home. Right. 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 No, there's too many neurological deficits at that point. So I kind of just left the bus and I just felt very heavy. Um, yeah, I still did my set for some reason, but like the paramedics came, I know the paramedics came and like went and you would see them like I was on stage, like watching them do compressions from oh. outside. And it was just really, really dark. And I get I it think- though. I get, I get wanting to perform 
because you don't know you you you're just trying to go through your day and you're like this mm-hmm. isn't going to affect me profoundly and then you're like oh shit it did like that's, like, oh, that's <laughs> traumatic actually yeah. <laughs> which is weird so like doing my job off the clock is far more traumatic than it is doing anything else and like my you're parents, not expecting it right and parkways felt very different ever since so yeah you said Maybe. you think he followed you home or like what happened after after this so he's obviously passed away you see yeah. all this happen you see the you know ambulance come and yeah yeah um so then, they were doing cpr for like 20 30 minutes they were not getting him back pre-hospital yeah yeah um so then it, after that what happens I just felt like very heavy and it's I felt like I was being watched the whole night and I cried for a long time. Like I don't normally cry like that. Um, but my mom was an ICU nurse. My dad's a trauma surgeon. So like they, I called both of them and I, I asked my mom, like I figured since she was a nurse for 30 years, maybe something like that had happened to her. And she was like, no, I'm sorry, sweetie. It's never happened to me before. I'm sorry. And I just, like, cried harder and I was like, okay. Um, but I just felt like, I don't know. It just, it just felt very heavy and not like in the way that you're like, Oh damn, I just watched a guy die. It was very, very different. Um, and Parkway kind of just feels different now as well. I'm not sure if they have seen anything haunted there. I doubt it. I haven't really asked, but. Do you think the heaviness is because you were the only one advocating for him and you picked up some of his energy, like desperate energy, will to live because you were the only one trying to make it happen. Oh, Maybe. I don't know. What do you think the heaviness might be? Because it doesn't, it sounds silly. I don't think the heaviness is any sort of guilt on my end. No, no. I did what I, whatever I could do, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, it's like, oh, shit, it wasn't enough. But like, you can't save everybody and you can't, you know, that's something that's out of my control. It's so um, sad, though, that you were the only one trying to help this guy. Yeah, it was really sad. I was like, okay. Um, and the cops were like, really up my butt about it too like the guy i was hoping i wouldn't have to talk to the police about it to be honest with you but the one guy who didn't do anything pointed to me and i was like yeah these fucks didn't help <laughs> it was like i yeah. couldn't find a carotid pulse i couldn't find a, like a radio pulse my pulse lock got nothing um they're like and what do you do and i'm like still in my scrubs with my badge i was like i work in the icu and i was like this is just my fun friday night like and now it is no longer fun <laughs> how long ago was this um this was in last october okay and then, and you still go every Friday and it still feels kind of difficult. Spooky. Yeah. I don't go yeah. there all the time because sometimes I'm just, I'm just sleepy, but, yeah. um, <laughs> but it is uh, a very heavy space now. Like it's cute and it's fun, but like, there's always something like right in the front, like in the very front of like the room. It, I just always feel like there's something heavy. Like there's something like watching me. Do you, but I don't does, know why in the front. Does anyone else? Has anyone else said that they feel that way there? Or is um, this specific to you? I think it's, speci- I haven't really talked about it. Um, I feel like I don't want to sound crazy and woo woo. Cause I, I'm not, my intuition has been blocked recently, but I used to be pretty tapped in. Um, so the things that I would say sound insane to other people. What, how, why do you think your intuition has been blocked recently? I think it's a mix of things. I think I need to cleanse my space. Like my room is a disaster right now. You can't tell from up here, but it is bad. <laughs> um, I think a lot of things kind of, I, I, I've been kind of less grounded than I need to be. I feel like sometimes when I like burn myself out a little bit um, is when I sort of lose a bit of my like intuition, my ability to 
kind of be not only in tune with myself, but like the world around me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's like autism or something else, but I, um, I don't know. It just feels like I'm like blocked here and here. So it feels what, like. So when you are in touch with your intuition, what does that feel like to you? Um, I feel more able to read other people. There are like other emotions. I feel more in tune to like the energies around me. Like when I worked at um, that other hospital with like the, the two put together when I was in transport, mm-hmm. like that was very much a, I was more in tune with myself and like everything there too. Like I was tapped in, um, but I was also more, I practiced more often there too. Like I would like meditate and I would like do other things and like mm-hmm. cleanse and all of that. Um, but I think sometimes there's like a heavy, there's been like a heaviness around me recently and I'm not entirely sure what it is. I don't know. There's stuff that you can do to cleanse yourself, but I have to make sure that none of them are closed practices. Like a lot of people, you can't use white sage, a lot of like egg cleanses or um, for like Mexican communities. You just want to be careful that you're not like appropriating somebody else's ritual. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And how do you do that? How do you make sure that you're cleansing yourself in a way that is not appropriating? So a lot of times, uh, like most in like indigenous practices or closed practices, um, a lot of uh, like things like I think Santeria is closed practice. Um, they're like I think if you just kind of stick with like pagan or I'm Jewish, so if I do like uh, like I don't want to say Kabbalah, because I don't think it's necessarily that, but there's ways that like Jewish folk magic stuff like that. Um, so typically when I when I do, I'll, I look for something that's like either Jewish or just like pagan, like something that's mm-hmm. not like, t- and like tied into any one sort of like minority group. Okay. I like talking about the woo woo stuff. I think it all, I think spirituality and ghosts and, and just general woo woo-ness is all, it's all in the realm of what we talk about on this podcast. Yeah. So I've had like, I think my, uh, I, my third eye is opening up again. Uh, Cause I, sometimes I'll have like really strange dreams or like they feel very lucid, like I lucid dream or like I'll astral project in a dream or something, which is really crazy. Um, like I'll wake up and I'll like, I once had a dream where I woke up right before like I was in a car accident and there was like a little girl who's in the car next to me and her hand was on my leg, like gripped it. I could still feel her hand on me when I woke up. Whoa. And I was like, yeah. And I felt like I was floating. Like I woke up and I was like, oh, I'm on my bed. Whoa. I like, oh, so- there's no one next to me. If that happened to me, I would be trying to find this kid or like evidence of this car accident or something. Did you look for and I mean, but I don't know how you do that really. Did yeah, you look for I actually anything? did. I um I didn't find anything that kind of mixed with it because what I thought I saw was like one of the ramps in Pittsburgh, like on, like you get off the Veterans Bridge, like that's what it looked like. Okay, but it also looked a little different. It looked like an amalgamation of a few things in Pittsburgh. So of course I was like, ah. Oh, I can't actually look and Google it and see where the accidents were. Um, Do you think it was real? I, oh, I've never thought about that before. That's terrifying. I don't know. That was like a year or so ago. It's like you are sort of more in touch than the average person, but you're still in a place where you're figuring out how to use this ability. Yeah. Yeah. I've always been like that since like I was a little kid, but I've been trying to get more in touch with it now as an adult. Yeah, um, because I always like I don't think it's necessarily like full-blown psychic but I do think I have like 
some sort of like clairvoyancy, I think is what it is. Right. Um, That's amazing. I've, yeah. I've been told that it, there's something called um, claircognizance, which is a clear knowing is what that means. I've been told I probably have that. Um, like I can sense people like sometimes like if I don't know somebody's schedule, like at work, I know they're working that day. Um, or I know like they're in the building for some reason. Okay. Or I could tell like um, I pick up on things about people that wouldn't be typically noticed without someone like telling you or knowing stuff. Like I've like, like what's an example? Um, there was one time that this is kind of insane. Um, like I uh, one time I I said this when I was mad, but um. I had, there was this one guy that I worked with and I worked in like restaurants who was like truly obsessed with me. And he was like, wouldn't leave me alone. It was very harassy. Mm -hmm. And then he was finally putting a move on me. And I was like, dude, I know I remind you of your dead wife in the nineties, but I'm not that girl. Please leave me alone. I'm like 20 years, your junior. Apparently I did look like his wife in the nineties. Whoa. Passed away. Whoa. Holy shit. And you had no yeah. idea before you no said idea. that? No idea. Yeah, I was like, you know what? I was like, he just gives me that energy that I look like someone he used to date back in the day. Little did I know, I struck a nerve. What did he do uh, when you said that? Cried. All right. Mm. <laughs> he, like, he looked like he was about to cry. I felt so bad. I mean, um, honestly, fuck that guy. No, I mean, his eyes could burn a hole through my pants. Like, I was like, stop looking at oh. my non-existent ass. Yeah. It's not similarity. Um. Yeah, that was weird. I have like things like that, or like I'll pick up on new people. Like I can kind of like I call myself like a human vibe check. Like I don't need. Like I can like just look at someone like oh I don't like them. They're like oh I like them. I was like, hmm. And then like a little later on, they're like oh that person's kind of fucked up. And I went, yeah, I told you. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, hate yeah, to be yeah, like yeah. the I told you so person, but I do kind of tend to be like ooh. I tend to like clock people's like ulterior motives rather quickly yeah um, that's amazing which is crazy because typically like i have autism a lot of people with autism are perceived to be naive mm-hmm. um and gullible and like i see that i do like, especially in myself but other times there are like I-, I can sense that there's just not something right about them and i wonder if that's pattern recognition due to my disability or if it's like something bigger and i like to think that i have superpowers so yeah <laughs> yeah and i think like the reputation for autism is that you're not in touch with vibes at all yeah. like it's the yeah. opposite of that um mm-hmm. and so it's really it's really fascinating and I think really probably good for people to hear that that's not always how things manifest mm-hmm. it's weird because I can't tell if somebody's hitting on me and I can't tell if I'm flirting with somebody at all but I'm like you know what they're weird like I don't like their I was like they look like they're mean to cats you know, and it's just like, yes, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. It's like, you know what? That just shoot, like, I'll be like, oh, that guy just looks like he beats his wife. You know what I mean? Like, that's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, some yeah. people that there's like a darkness about them. Oh, absolutely. My dog, my last dog was so friendly and loved all people. And then we were in a bodega and she was hiding behind my legs when this guy was like, oh, that's a pretty pit bull. Well, you know, and, mm. and I was like, oh, this guy has done some really fucked up shit to dogs yeah 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 and she just like knew it intuitively and Mm -hmm. I was like I mean yeah this guy seems weird but like why is he any worse than the other weirdos in this place you know Mm -hmm. um yeah so it's like my dad's dog was like that your dad's dog was like that yeah so he has the two goldens that I mentioned earlier that hate the house the neighbor's house 
Um, but they, my stepmom are having like, we're the kind of white people that throw dog birthday parties. Um, <laughs> so we <laughs> were throwing them a birthday party and my stepmom brought her, like invited her friend and then her friend's husband and his, this dude looked like a cop. Do you know what I mean? Like he had like the ugly polo golf shirt on and like the crew uh-huh. kite. Yeah. And they were so, they're such a bad couple, but, um, she, the dogs hated that guy. They would not go near him. They were freaked out by his mere presence. And they're golden retrievers. Right. Like, the golden retrievers can't hate anybody. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Uh, they're like stage five clingers. Anyone will pet them. They, they're they happy to be there. But they would avoid that guy. Like They would run and hide. They would not go anywhere near him. I do think that there's an intuition that is potentially covered up by... I don't know, like we're, we're taught these manners and rules on how to behave as humans. And I think that sometimes that gets in the way of our own intuition. And if you can find a way to harness it anyways, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Cause we are like animals, you know, we are animals yeah. and we, and they have it and we have it too. I just, yeah, it seems like you're more in tune than the average person. I try to be, I feel like, especially because I do have like autism. If I, I rely on my gut a lot more. Because I can't always like my brain thinks differently. So like I listen to my little gut. I don't know. That's great. But, I love that. I love the way that this conversation took a turn and we talked about autism, which is something that I haven't really talked about on this podcast in relation to spirituality and stuff. So that's really cool. Do you have anything else you want to talk about before we do plugs and and that kind of stuff? I don't think so. I think I'm all ghosted out. Got all my- <laughs> Cool. Well, Abigail, tell people where they can find you on the internet, find your comedy, plug anything you want to plug. Oh, awesome. Um, so my Instagram is abigail.elias22. Um, I think I forgot my TikTok. TikTok doesn't like me anyway, so it's all right. Um, <laughs> I know what you mean. Well, well thank you so cool. much for doing the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening to Comedians with Ghost Stories. If you liked this episode and you like this show, please rate and review it wherever you get your pods. That'll help other people find it and help the show grow. Um, also, you can follow me at Emily MC Winter on Instagram and Threads. I th- is that my Threads name? Yeah, it is. I'm on Threads right now. Emily MC Winter on Threads and Instagram. That's it. I hope you have a great day.